and I just came back from two weeks of being in Europe, hence today's episode is Everything Better in Europe. So I've been on vacation from May 14th to the 26th, and I'm recording this on the 28th, Um, so yeah, I like very recently just came back and it's bittersweet. It's nice to be home, but also kind of sad that I'm not next, like literally 10 steps away from the Aegean Sea. I was in Greece and Turkey. Um, I've been to Greece before. I went in 2019. If you look at the Instagram for one of the previous episodes, I posted some pictures from that trip. Um, and then I recently posted pictures from this trip as well. But yeah, it was really good, and we've never been to Turkey before, so that was our first time going. Um, But it was way colder than any of us had expected, and I guess it's like still technically the off-season there, so it was like, like when I looked at the weather ahead of time, it was said it was in the 60s, but then when you actually got there, it was super windy, and it ended up raining for like kind of like the first half of our trip, so every day was rainy and cold and windy, and so we were all just like, like what the heck um so I mean but it was still fun the only issue is right before I started packing for this trip I'd listened to an episode of the anything goes podcast by my chamberlain and she was talking about how she likes to travel minimalistically and that's something I've always kind of wanted to try I like the idea of not having a lot on you I think having a lot of clothes and items and whatever just kind of stresses me out in general so like just not having a lot to avoid that stress seemed like a good idea um and she had said that she packed minimally for like a month in Europe and I was like okay I'm only going for two weeks so I should be able to do this too so I packed like what she said which was basically you pack four tops and four bottoms and try to make sure that these different things can like mix and match so that way you have like 16 outfits versus just four um so I did that and I threw in a couple extra things and then my mom was just like absolutely not you will not be only taking one carry-on with you for two weeks we all get like a free check-in bag so bring another bag as well if we buy stuff whatever then we can just put it in that suitcase so it's like okay fine So I threw in some extra couple things, but that suitcase was basically like half empty. Um, And then we got there, and then I only had one full sleeve crew neck. It was my favorite. I'm was notice the past tense. This is intentional. It was my favorite like full sleeve crew neck. I got it when we went to LA in um, during winter break last year, and it was like sixty dollars. But it's such a good quality, and it's it's so comfortable. But I, so I only brought this one thing because in my mind I was like, okay, cool. Like I'll probably wear this a couple times during the trip and then I'm going to wear it on the plane ride back. Like that was like my plane outfit home type of deal with a pair of leggings. Like that's what I'd pack to wear back. But I ended up wearing this stupid crew neck like literally for seven days in a row because of how cold and windy it was and rainy. And like I hadn't like other than that, I just had tank tops and shorts. And then I'd only packed one pair of jeans and I was saving my leggings for the plane ride back. So I didn't really wear my leggings, but I was like, I can't wear jeans every day. So I had to switch over to my leggings eventually. So it was kind of, it was a little bit of a shit show there. Like I 
ended up wearing that crew neck way too many times and I'm probably not going to wear it now for like a month or so um just give it some space but you know so like I tried and I would say I would say that my main takeaway from that was like it's important to pack layers and I just kind of I think didn't think about that I didn't think that part through I, d- I just kind of saw the 60 degrees and I was like oh that summer it's gonna be fine but even when we went on like boating trips and stuff like that like obviously it was really windy when the boat was moving so you couldn't just like be walking around in a bikini you needed something to cover up um and I didn't really take that into account but now I know not to do that again in the future so you live and you learn it was fine and in perspective now during in the moment I was just kind of like I think I just kind of taken wearing clean clothes um I just like forgot how important that is to me personally and like yeah I could have done laundry but I didn't look into that so I had no idea where to go and um where to get my clothes laundered so then I yeah like I said I ended up wearing that same crew neck for like seven days probably honestly probably more than that in a row um so it is what it is you live and you learn it's all part of the human experience but one other thing that happened so I did my nails at home because I got my gel nail kit on Amazon as we've talked about and it's like honestly magical I love being able to do them at home and like doing whatever colors I like and trying out different designs and learning how to do different things and it's super fun right and I'd done my nails for graduation um at OSU which is kind of like the week before this trip and then I did my nails the day before we left and uh, like the travel day that we had I don't know what happened but literally half the nails fell off of my right hand so I was going into this trip with already my nails were destroyed and damaged I was like are you kidding me I spent so long doing them um and then they got damaged before we even like actually got to our destination so that was really unfortunate and then when we were like swimming in the ocean so we were in a couple of, we went to a couple of islands in Greece. We went to Milos and Foligandros, and it's actually kind of funny because nobody had heard of Foligandros, and we had to take this ferry to get there, and um, I didn't realize that it stopped at, like, multiple islands, so I thought that everybody on the ferry was going to Foligandros, and I was, and I was like, so surprised. I was like, oh, so all these people are going there. It must not be that unknown. But then it turns out basically, like, I would say 99% of the people on the ferry were going to Santorini. And when we asked, oh, like, are you going, to, is this going to Foligandros? Nobody knew what we were talking about except for the people that worked the ferry. And we were a part of, like, maybe 10 people that got off at Foligandros. That being said, one of my favorite islands that I've been to, I've been to four so far. So we went to Milos. Milos was also really cool. Foligandros, Santorini, and Mykonos. Um, Foligandros is nice, just it's like um because not a lot of people know about it it is very quiet and also we went in the off season so it was even more quiet but it was a cool vibe there's a lot of hiking trails which is mainly what we did um and it's more of like a chillaxing type of vibe there's not too much to do there which I liked and I wish we were there longer and I wish we rented a car because technically yes you can hike to a bunch of different beaches and stuff but it's like hour-long hikes and crazy descents and ascents we went on a hike to a beach that was about an hour from our hotel 
and it was fine for the most part we were just walking on the like alongside the road we saw a donkey we saw cows we saw goats we saw sheep like it was super cute you could see the Aegean Sea um and it was cool and everything and then we got to like the actual hiking trail and it was like a 300 foot descent down like this rocky path and oh my god it was just it was a lot and then coming back up it was somehow like a 700 foot ascent um and it was just like 10 minutes straight of us like running up this hill and we had to run up it because we were like going to be late to the boating trip that we had that day um so yeah you know it was fun but it was hard and it was hot and that's when it actually got hot it wasn't raining or cold or windy then obviously so yeah but it was fun it was a good trip overall I started in Toronto um we had like a seven hour layover there so we just like walked around went to Chinatown um and then went to Athens we were there for a night and then we went to Istanbul in Turkey we were there for a couple nights and yeah, it basically rained every single day we were there, which is kind of unfortunate, but it was, it was fine. I mean, most of the stuff we went to see was indoors, like different mosques and stuff, so it was just the waiting in line part that kind of sucked with your umbrella and everything, but it was cool to see that city. They had a lot of stray animals, like cats and dogs and stuff, so that was kind of sad, but overall still um, a fun trip, and then we went to Milos, and then we went to Philegondros, so it was a lot of moving around, but definitely worth it. It was a really cool trip. One of the weird things that I realized, that I didn't realize the first time I went to Greece, you can throw toilet paper away in the toilet. You have to, like, throw it in a little trash bin that they keep next to the toilets. And for, like, the first half of the trip, I just thought that that meant, like, it, like every toilet had a sign that said, don't throw paper in the toilet. I thought that meant, like, don't throw the paper that you use to wash your hands, like, to wipe your hands after you wash them. I thought it meant that, and I was like, okay, like, we're good. I, why would anybody do that? And then halfway through, my sister was like, you know what? I actually think they mean the toilet paper. Like, I think you have to throw the toilet paper in the trash. And I was like, wait, what? So then I Googled it, and yeah, the plumbing in Greece doesn't support, like, toilet paper in the waste. I don't even, I don't know how to explain it. it it's just basically you don't do that in Greece. And I was like oh my god, I felt so bad, but it took a while to establish the habit, but once it was established, now coming back here, it feels like wrong to throw toilet paper in the toilet every time I'm like reaching for the trash can. I'm like, oh wait, no, that's not, that you don't have to do that here. So it's a little weird, but anyways, all that to say, like being in Europe the past couple weeks has made me think about this general American sentiment that everything is better in Europe. I feel like I've seen a lot of stuff, especially on social media, talking about how Europe is better than the U.S., like, there's better laws and rules around food in Europe, that's why all the food tastes better in Europe, that's why people feel like they can eat, like, bread and pasta and stuff like that in Europe, but they can't eat that stuff in the U.S., um, and I think everybody on TikTok has kind of seen, like, different travel videos of people going to different places in Europe and you know, they look super cool and super fun, and I think that that kind of plays or fuels this general sentiment that a lot of people feel that Europe is better than the United States. So I thought it could be interesting today to talk about maybe the reasons why some people might think that everything is better in Europe, and the reason why some people might think that everything isn't better in Europe. 
So we're going to start off with the reasons why everybody, or not everybody, but everything is better in Europe. I think a huge reason that I would agree that everything is better in Europe is the food system. So like I mentioned, I've seen a lot of different social media posts about how there's different food additives and things like that that are allowed in the United States, but they're not allowed in Europe. So the exact same food product made by the exact same company is, um, it contains like way more additives in the U.S. versus in Europe. So it's like maybe quote unquote healthier to eat in Europe versus in the United States. Um, so I did a little bit of digging on Google to look into kind of like the specifics of, you know, is the food system actually better in Europe or is it just, you know, a couple of things here and there that maybe aren't that significant um, in the long run. So a couple of things that I found is that the European Union does not allow carcinogens or suspected carcinogens in food products. And shockingly, that is unlike the United States. So we um, kind of function more on a reactionary system versus like a preventative system you know big shocker there very similar to how the healthcare system works in the United States but that being said the United States kind of allows food companies to in a sense do whatever they want and then repercussions will be faced if some issue persists down the line versus in Europe they kind of function from a more like better safe than sorry so, oh my god why did I say sorry like that oh <laughs> okay um they, well, sorry, I'm in shock that I just said sorry like that. Anyways, um, they, well, they function from a perspective of better safe than sorry. So it's more preventative. So even if a chemical is a suspected carcinogen, they won't put it in. It's not allowed to be put in food. Um, so, for example, potassium bromate, that's a chemical that's added in bread in the United States. It helps the bread rise um, just makes it look like, I guess, better and more presentable, but it's not allowed in the European Union, um, because it is a suspected carcinogen. Um, so, yeah, so that is a little concerning, but one part of why the food system could be considered better in the European Union. Um, another thing is in the U.S., and I actually learned about this in my food safety class I took last semester, we have a thing called GRAS, which is uh, which is G-R-A-S. It stands for Generally Recognized as Safe. So it's a list of chemicals or food additives that are generally recognized as safe. And basically what that means is that food companies are allowed to use these additives in their product and they won't face any kind of litigation um, if the additive turns out to be not safe. And, you know, we will only find out if the additive is not safe when somebody develops some sort of condition from eating food products that have the additive in it. Um, so that is concerning. To, that could be concerning to some people thinking about we're not super sure how this additive impacts human health, but people are still able to consume it. And most of the time, unknowingly, in their food products. It's very interesting because Basically, food companies, like the food makers, are protected from any kinds of issues that can arise, like legally, from their uh, the food that they make and what they put into it, which is very unlike what happens in the European Union. So I think these could be a couple of reasons why people might think that the food system is better in Europe 
than the U.S. And then, you know, obviously, like, the regions that I was in, like, the different islands and stuff, a lot of them get their food products, like, made locally. A lot of stores we went to had local eggs, they had local bread, they had local cheese and all these different things. I think there is obviously local produce in the United States, but it's much more common to eat local food um, in these different populations specifically that I visited. Um, so I think that when people from the U.S. go to visit the European Union in g- general, maybe there are more people who go to these kinds of places where the food is of better quality because it is more from coming from local places or um, things like that. And I think that you can get pretty used to in the United States just buying a lot of processed foods um, just because that is kind of the norm. Um, and that could be another reason why that kind of maybe skews people's perceptions of the food system being better in the EU versus the U.S. So, something to think about. I think another big thing in the European Union is there's a huge culture of hospitality. I think, you know, big part of a lot of different countries, their economy is tourism. And uh, I should have done a little bit of research research no I should have done a little bit of googling into the stats for this I'm not super sure what the tourism kind of sector of the economy is in the U.S. versus the EU but I feel like it's probably bigger in the EU I don't know regardless I'm just talking from my own personal experience from the past couple trips I feel like there's a huge culture of hospitality there not just the people that are working at like hotels and stuff but also just like general people like people who are working in like basic grocery stores or like restaurants and stuff like that um like I said what a lot of the islands that we went to are kind of on the smaller side so it did kind of feel like um we were getting close with the people who lived on the island like Foligandras for example in the winter time like the off season of tourism and stuff like that there's only about 500 to 600 people that live on the entire island so it's a very small population and by the end of the three days on our trip like everywhere we went we saw people we knew whether it was our tour guide whether it was somebody um whose restaurant we ate at or somebody who um whose store we went into and they would all recognize like we would all recognize each other and we'd be like hi Sparrow, like say hi and stuff like that so there was just like I don't know it just seemed much more genuine in terms of friendliness I know different parts of the U.S. it's like in the Midwest it's we kind of have that stereotype of like oh you say hi to your neighbors and stuff like that you smile and wave at people who walk by and things like that but that's not how it is all over the U.S. and I'm sure that's the same for the EU Um, but just in the areas that I visited and the people who I interacted with there was a huge culture of hospitality, like, everybody was willing to help, whether, you know, you needed some directions, even if there was a language barrier or something, like, people would try their best to help you, um, and stuff like that, so, yeah, I think these are a couple reasons that people might think, and when I say people, I think specifically of Americans in general, might think that Europe, everything is better in Europe versus in the U.S. There are a couple of reasons why, Some people might think that not everything is better in Europe. A huge thing that we personally experienced when we went this time, which I honestly don't really remember from when we went the last time, is that smoking is still hugely popular. Um, So when we were in 
Turkey, so we went to Istanbul, and in Istanbul, there is this huge kind of like underground market thing called Grand Bazaar, and there's like 22 entrances and exits into this place. There's like hundreds of stalls, different markets selling like Turkish lamps and food and Gucci and like all this fake like Gucci and Prada stuff, which is kind of funny, but like fake things like that, um, shirts, Turkish towels, different things. Um, and so this huge place and it's all underground and it's all like, there's no windows or anything like that. Um, and so like basically every single shopkeeper was smoking and because it was underground and there's no windows, like everything was kind of staying trapped in the air. So, you know, while it was really cool to walk around and see stuff and drink some Turkish tea and, um, like talk to people and buy stuff. Oh my God. It was so hard to breathe in that um, smoke, the cigarette smoke. And it was kind of crazy because like regardless of age or gender or sex or whatever, everybody was smoking. It kind of felt like everywhere you look, like somebody had a cigarette in their hand. Um, and like once you're walking out of our hotel and they, there were these two boys, like could not have been older than 15 who were smoking and like girls smoke, guys smoke, they smoke at work, they smoke while they're walking to work, they just smoke in general, like, it was crazy, it was everywhere, um, and so I was, like, very curious to see what the smoking rates were in the different countries, so the smoking rate in Turkey is 29.3% versus in the U.S. 25.1%, which I thought was interesting. My sister brought up the point that the different sizes in population could skew these numbers, like, Maybe numerically, there are more people that smoke in Turkey than the U.S., but they just have a bigger population, so, you know, that percentage isn't as big, which could be a reason why those numbers seem pretty close. And then in Greece, it felt like, at least for me, not as many people smoked in Greece as Turkey, but the smoking rate in Greece is actually 39.1%. And again, this could be because it is a small country. Like, everybody that we talked to that lived there was like, oh yeah, like, Greece is a small country, population's only 11 million people um and so that could be reason why the smoking rate is way higher in Greece it's like I said 39.1 percent it's actually the ninth most prevalent um smoking rate for like the countries in the world um so I got all this from world population review like all the numbers but it's it said it was 2023 so I'm assuming like it got the stats from 2022 to be published in 2023 so it seems to be pretty recent but of course as we all know smoking is not a good thing um and obviously because everybody around you is smoking you're going to be inhaling that um smoke and so that can lead to negative health impacts not only for the people who are smoking but for the people around them like people were smoking with babies and strollers as they were pushing them around and carrying them and stuff like that so I can't imagine that that would have positive impacts on anybody involved. So I think that that could be a huge reason why people might think that not everything is better in Europe. And last but not least, I think another huge reason is the need to pay for water. So in Greece, the reason why you can't drink tap water is because the water is too salty. It comes from the Aegean Sea. Um, so it's safe for like bathing and brushing your teeth, but you can't drink that water. And in Europe in general, you have to pay for water everywhere you go, 
one of the restaurants we went to, we had such an attentive server, and he was, like, replacing our water every time we finished it, um, so we ended up getting, like, three bottles of water, um, so, you know, like, stuff like that adds up, and I think it's easy to take stuff like that for granted in the U.S., like, having access to water and, um, not having to pay for it at restaurants and things like that, but it is kind of unfortunate that you have to pay for water. Maybe it's the price you pay to be close to the AGMC. Is it worth it? I feel like maybe it is, but maybe some people won't think that way. At the end of the day, it's up to you to decide whether you think that everything is better in Europe or not. I think, like a lot of things, everything in moderation. I don't think you can definitively say that everything is better in Europe, but I think there's definitely some things that Europe does better than the U.S., and some might argue most things, but every country has their flaws, right? Um, and that includes European countries as well. So yeah, overall, super fun trip. I would definitely recommend going to any of the places that we went. I have been editing YouTube videos to put out. So I actually, when you listen to this um, podcast episode, I have the first couple days of kind of like the first leg of the trip um on youtube so we actually ended up going to four countries in four days because we started off in the u.s and then we went to canada and then that night we flew to athens and then the following day we flew to turkey um so it was a lot of moving around but it was really cool to see all these different countries and different get to try all the different food and talk to different local people and learn more about um, the history and things like that of these different places. So if you get a chance to go to any of these places, I would definitely recommend. Given that I was on vacation for the last two weeks, I know some of you might be wondering if I did actually keep up with my smart goals of foam rolling. Unfortunately, no, you know, because I wanted to pack minimalistically. I did not take my foam roller with me and I... So I did foam roll for at least 30 minutes the first full week of May, and I actually have been foam rolling the past two nights because of how sore and crampy and stuff I got on the flights. I actually got my period like a couple days before we left, which is really unfortunate timing. I got my period on the aforementioned hike, um, and so then, yeah, but I just, I like had intuition that it would happen, so I'd actually packed like a extra underwear and a pad with me. So then I, we found like a cafe near the beach, thank god it was open, because it was like really, really off season, so a lot of stuff was closed, but this cafe was open, so I went to the bathroom and quickly changed, um, and it was fine, but I don't know where I was going with that. Anyways, so back to the SMART goals, because I was on vacation for the last two weeks, I didn't pack my foam roller with me, so I didn't foam roll, so I foam rolled for the first full week of May, and then I've been foam rolling the past couple of days. Oh, yeah, yeah, because I got crampy from being on my period. Anyways, so, yeah, so I've been foam rolling the past couple of days because I've realized the importance of making enough money to fly business class on long, long flights. Jesus Christ. The, fr the flight to Athens from Toronto, absolutely horrible. It was, I think it was 11 hours, 10 hours, something like that, but... It was the worst flight I've ever had. Uh, since it was a red eye, I was trying to sleep, but I couldn't sleep. Like, I could not get comfortable at all. And on the way back, we had, like, a little kid across from us that just kept randomly crying every five seconds. So I ended up watching the entire season four of Selena plus Chef 
on the way back. You know, honestly, a pretty good show. I really liked it. I am a huge Selena Gomez stan and could not recommend the show enough. It's on HBO Max. Um, for some reason, they only had season four, but I watched every single episode because um, I couldn't sleep. Um, and yeah, so... To make up for the fact that I couldn't foam roll during the time that I was gone, I'm going to be foam rolling every single day of that we have left of May because that'll average out to about 30 minutes per week. Um, so that's just going to have to be good enough because I forgot that I was going to be on vacation. I wouldn't be able to foam roll when I made my SMART goal, but it's fine. My SMART goal for June is actually related to an anything goes episode what is not what is what in my life is not related to Emma Chamberlain but so I was listening to an episode that I downloaded before we took so we had to ride a ferry to get from Fully Gondras back to Athens and it was like a five-hour ferry so I downloaded some podcast episodes to listen to and one of them was Emma Chamberlain's episode about the dopamine detox that she tried Basically, dopamine detox is, like, in its most strictest form, it's, like, no listening to music, no listening to podcasts, no phone time, like, no social media, stuff like that, to kind of, um, reset your dopamine structure, like, your dopamine, dopamine releases, or I guess, quote-unquote, like, addictions in a way, like, it's, like, you can't drink alcohol, you can't do drugs, no porn, stuff like that, um, so I thought that was interesting. I'd never heard of that before, but she talked about how one of the big things that she realized about herself is that whenever she was using the toilet in the bathroom she would take her morning poo or pee or whatever, she would always have her phone with her. And so she'd be scrolling through social media or like online shopping or whatever. And so her morning poo would take like 15 to 20 minutes. But when she did this do dopamine detox for a week, so she changed the rules a little bit. Um, to make them less strict, but one of the things is that she couldn't use, like, she couldn't scroll through social media apps, um, so when she changed that, then her morning poo was, like, three minutes versus 20 minutes, and I was thinking about that, and I was like, you know what, that could totally, like, that's me as well, I always go to the toilet with my phone, and then I always end up, end up spending way more time than I need to, because I'm just scrolling through social media, or doing something, um, something else, and so for June, my SMART goal is to not use social media while on the toilet, which sounds really weird, but that's so I had to give that context for this to make sense. But basically, I feel like a lot of the times at the end of the day, I feel like I wasted a lot of time scrolling through Instagram, TikTok, whatever it might be. And so forcing myself to not take my phone with me into the toilet or just in general not use social media, I think will really help me limit my screen time and my social media use. So yeah, I hope that you got something out of this episode. I kind of drafted this together while I was on the ferry because after I listened to um, that episode about the dopamine detox, I was like, oh my gosh, I, sh I should not listen to any more podcasts and just like be in my own thoughts for a little bit um so yeah I kind of drafted this while I was um swimming swimming no I was not swimming oh my god while I was sailing through the Aegean Sea yeah okay I don't know where I was going that I drafted this while I was on the ferry so yeah there you go um so I hope you got something out of it 
and let me know what you think. Do you think everything is better in Europe or, you know, just some things or maybe all things? I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I think, like I said, most things maybe are better in Europe than the U.S., but every country has their flaws and Europe is made of multiple different countries, obviously, so I feel like maybe it's not a fair comparison to compare the European Union in general to the United States. Um, but that being said, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I appreciate your time if you made it all the way to this point, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye!